All right, so tonight, if you are a talker, and if you talk while I talk, just don't. Um, and I say that because, not because I want you to listen to me, because I think I'm cute to talk to you guys, but because I want you guys to really understand something. So if you like to talk, you've probably talked a lot this week, more than you should. So um, just kind of just roll with me tonight. Just hang with me and, and really hope, just try to dive, dig something out of this with me, all right? So um, this is for everybody. This is for every single person, whether you've been walking with the Lord for years or whether you don't know the Lord. So tonight is for everybody. Um, so for those of you guys that don't know, we started in Ephesians 1 last week, and it's a new series called The Blessed Life. And so Todd talked about last week, that, um, what we talked about was our identity in Christ. So Todd's kind of main point was saying, here's who we are in Jesus. We are, we are no longer sinners, but we are saints before God. So when we stand before God, we are seen as Christ, we're seen as saints, all because of who he is. So our identity is no longer sinners who can, um, sinners who are saved by grace, but saints who have the capacity to still sin. And, and, so the, and those are vastly different in how they play out in our lives. And, um, but the thing in Ephesians 1, if you read the text yourself, if you study it along with us, Paul's really working backwards all through it. So he starts by saying, here's who you are in Christ. So here, like my name is Zach, my identity is Zach. I work here and I work at Target, all right? And there's glamorous other things to do in your life, but that's what I do, and that's how I roll. Um, and so that's my identity. And so, but my identity in Christ is seen by God as Christ. So my identity is Christ's righteousness. So what that means is who I am when God looks at me, and, and even due to what I fail, what I don't do, God sees Christ. He sees his perfection. So my identity is a follower of Jesus. And, and some of those words that we went through last week, here we go, uh, faithful followers and, and, and saints and, and those words. So that's my identity in Christ. So Paul starts with that. He says, this is who you are. Um, so you're Betty, and you're a saint, all right? So if your name's Betty, you're a saint, um, if you know the Lord. Do we have a Betty? Oh, no, I thought somebody hollered out, yeah, all right? Um, so this, that's your identity in Christ. He's saying this is who you are. Now, what we're going to get into tonight is how you got there, because there's a difference in understanding who you are and not knowing how you got there, because you didn't wake up with an identity of a saint. You didn't wake up one day and turn into a saint. You, did, you definitely weren't born as a saint, all right? So what Paul's going to get to tonight is who we are in Jesus. He's going to start to make sure this is who you are and this is how you got there. Because if you miss how you got there, you miss everything. So tonight is really important with understanding who we are in Christ. Um, so in, in the first bit of this text that we'll go through in just a minute is just basically this idea of love. And, and what love does is it, it makes people do crazy things. If you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you've probably done some dumb things for them. Um, or or if, you're, if you have your parents, you understand love. If your parents love you, you understand love. A few weeks ago, me and um, Shelby went to a Tennessee game in Atlanta. And, um, man, people lose their, their minds whenever they get to a football game, right? Uh, there's grown men looking at me, and I, all I'm doing is wearing a shirt, all right? I'm wearing a colored shirt, and I'm walking, and I've just got my food, I've got my pizza, and we're going to walk. And, and dudes with the other color team are like, look at me down like I'm talking junk. And I'm like, dude, I'm just got the pizza, man. I'm just walking. And, and I'm like, you know, I'm tiny. I can't really hurt anybody. And, and so I'm like, and these grown men lose their minds because they love that team so much that they are willing to fight me for it. And I'm like, dude, I didn't even say anything, and they ended up losing. Um, so I got to rub that in all the way home. 
But, you know, grown men just lose their minds. Women lose their minds. And it's all because of this, this love thing. So people love football. You love your boyfriend or girlfriend. You love your parents. You love your classes. You love your teachers. You love reckless. You love all of this stuff. But some point in society, we have lost what the word love really means. All right? So we have, we have termed every single thing that we do, we say we love it. I love cereal. All right? And I really do. But my love for cereal is a little bit different than my love for Christ, all right? And so we lose our capacity to understand the love of Christ when we love everything else in the world. You, you get what I'm saying? You rolling with me? We, we, every single thing we do, we say we love it. Whether we just kind of like it, we just say we love it. And so we kind of lose what, what love really means. And so I want to I just ask and, and have you think about this. Have you ever struggled with God's love for you? Have you ever struggled in understanding that there's a being in heaven, that this God that loves you and has affections for you? Have you ever un- struggled to understand that God loves you, that there is this, this supernatural being that, that is the creator and the sustainer of everything that has affections for you personally? All right? So you personally, as an individual, as who you are, God has affections for you. And ha- have you ever struggled to understand that? All right, and, and the first little bullet point I'm going to put up here tonight, and it's going to be our first point, is God still loves us despite of our shortcomings and our failures. All right, so the most dangerous thing that can happen in a believer's life is for you to take hold of the depth and the weight and the vastness of Christ's love for you. So the most dangerous thing that can happen to this world in a good way is for you to understand how much Christ loves you and how much he went to sacrifice for you. That's the worst thing that Satan can have happen is when a believer has his heart turned to God to understand how much he loves you, how much he's done for you, how much he's bought you with, the price he paid for you. That's the craziest thing that can happen in a person's life. It'll flip everything over on its head. Everything else, the whole scope of your life changes once you take that fact that there is a being, there's a God, there's a person that came and lived on the earth that has affections for you. So God still loves us despite of our shortcomings and our failures. We can understand the vastness of this. It's going to change everything. So tonight, we need to understand who our identity is and how we got there. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians 1. If you don't, it'll be up here tonight. All right, we're going through Ephesians verse 4 and 5. We're going to track backwards and do 4 and 5 this week. All right, here we go. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. All right, so let's pause right there. So, he even has, catch the first part of that verse, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So what that verse means is before anything in the universe ever existed, God had his affections placed onto you. Think about the scope of that. You can't even remember probably three years ago, all right? I can't remember last week. I, I have a bad memory. And, and so through all of eternity, before there was a sun, before there were galaxies, before there was anything in creation, God had his affections placed on to you. Just think about that. Before anything ever was, before the first human being ever was, before your parents were around, before your grandparents, God loved you. God said, I love them before anything else was in this world. And, and the reason why it's hard to understand that is because I look at my life and I look at what I've done. And so what that means is God has seen, he, God knows everything. We call God 
all-knowing. God knows everything. He knows the future. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow, all right? And what's amazing about the truth that he loved us before the foundation of the world, so before we were even around, was that means he knew that we would fail and we would sin and we would rebel, and he still loved us anyways, all right? So me, he looked at me and the things that I get myself into and the things that I fall short on, and he said, even though you're doing that and even though you mess up, I love you anyways. You are my son. And I loved you before you could ever understand what love was. So before the foundation of the world, God had his affections on me. He knew I would rebel. But what this is, is an outpouring of the love and the kindness and the grace of God. That is the mercy of Jesus in our lives. All right? So he understood that you're going to fail. So for those of you that are like, man, I'm a believer, but I still struggle and sin. I still fail. I still have problems. God understood that this was going to happen, all right? You didn't, like, start walking in sin one day, and God was like, "Uh uh-oh, what's he doing? I didn't know that was going to happen. He knew it, but he had his affections on you anyways, all right? Such a deep truth to understand. Now, in order for this whole thing to happen, though, now I just don't want you to think that we were some, some cute little people that God had his head around, and he was like, I love them, and I love them, because he saw that we would rebel. All right, and so the thing I want you to understand about God is God is, is just. Go that word with me, just, or justice. God is just, and he's love, okay? So God is just in everything he does. No one can look at God and say, what are you doing? All right? Because there's this little story in the book of Job where he looks at Job when Job was questioning him, and God said, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? So basically, he laughed at Job and was like, you fool, where were you when I made everything? All right, shut up. So that's kind of what he's saying, all right? So God is just, all right? God is just. He, he, he has to punish sin. Sin is offensive to a holy God, a perfect God. Sin is offensive to God, and he has to be just. He has to punish that. But on top, that, and, and justice, justice is in the backdrop of God's amazing and great love, all right? Do you understand that? God's love far outshines what he has to do for justice. And here's why. Because adoption. Was it, real quick question. Was anybody in here adopted? Wow. That's cool. Cool. That's a lot. All right. So adoption. All right. So, so we've got some people in here that were adopted, so this might strike your hearts a little bit more. But what adoption is, think about adoption. Adoption is saying, I'm going to go and I'm going to love a child. I'm going to take care of this child. I'm going to care for him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to provide for him even though he's not mine, all right? Even though he is not mine, I don't know him. I don't know what he does, he is, I, but I love him anyways, and I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to provide for him, all right? So, so when this verse in Ephesians talks about in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. So what that means is God adopted you as a son because of Christ, all right? You get where I'm going with that? God adopted you. God said, you know what? Despite your sin, despite your failures, despite how much you're going to rebel, I will adopt you as my child. You are going to be my child. And then he sustains us. He provides for us. He loves us. He cares for us. All right? And when we talk about God adopting us as sons, God didn't have like the cute, like what we think of adoption, like this cute little story where you walk in and there's all these cute kids running around. All right, but, but then you got the crew in the back that's like lighting a building on fire and like throwing eggs at the at cars. That's who we were. We were in the back throwing eggs at cars and setting the place on fire. All right, we weren't the cute little kids that he had to choose from. We were the rebellious ones. 
all right? And God said, I'm going to take the rebellious ones and I'm going to love him anyways. Despite who he is, despite what he does, you are mine and I'm going to love you and I'm going to adopt you as my own. You are going to be mine. So he didn't have the good ones to choose from. He had the rebellious ones. And since God is just, God had to pay for our sins. And so this verse says we were adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. So what that means is when Christ went to the cross and died, all right, so they took Christ out, hung him on a cross, he paid for the sins of you and me so we could be sons of God. You understand that? Christ took our sins. He took the weight of our sin. He took the shame that we bring him. He took the blasphemy that we do to his name and the stuff that we run in, and he said, I'll pay for it. I will pay the bill so you can be my son. I will pay it all so you can know me and you can have a relationship with me and you can love me. That's what Christ did for us. So when we talk about God being a father, he is the best father. He's the ultimate giver because he said, here is my son. He will pay for your sin and I love you. The punishment that we deserved was placed on Christ on the cross. So everything that I did and everything that you did, Christ said, I will take it for you. So you can know me, so you can be adopted into this family. All you have to do is believe in me, and you are mine. You're mine. And so, so I, always, I used to ask myself, what did I do for this, for this salvation? What did I do for this blessing? And honestly, the way I got saved... I met this girl, all right, she asked me to come to church, she was, y'all probably heard me say this, and I always tell it, man, she was way too good looking for me, I was a rough looking dude, and she said, come to church, all right, so we started dating, and I go to church, and I got saved, and we broke up, and I got, and I still kept going, but what did I do for God to bring that girl into my life? Nothing, right? I did not do anything for God to say, here's this girl who is way too attractive for you, all right, I'm going to let you date her, she's going to take you to church, and you're going to get saved. That's, that's kind of how the story went, all right? We broke up. I thought I was heartbroken. Then I realized a couple years later what God was doing, all right? So what did I do to deserve that? I didn't do anything. And so the second blessing that we're going to talk, that we're going through tonight, and it'll be up here, the second blessing is salvation, salvation, all right? And so I'm a thinker, all right? And I want to know why I think people do the things they do and why they, why they act the way they act. So I would do this all the time. I would, I was like, what did I bring to the table? What did I bring God for him to save me, for him to love me? And the answer to that is really nothing. I don't do anything. I don't really bring anything to the table. But look at verse 5 and 6. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So all of this adoption and all of this love is from God for the praise of his name. All right? You get what that means? All of, this, all of this love that God saved us with is all so his name would be praised. So God, we would say, God, you are so good. Hallelujah. What a savior you are. All right. We would look at him and say, God, you did what I couldn't do. You paid the bill for me because I couldn't do it on my own. God, you are good. So every single thing, all of this salvation, all of our lives is for the praise of God's name. All right, look, and I just want to show you a few other verses that make this about God because I want to, uh, last year I sat in a room and I listened to a guy tell a bunch of pastors that God was bored and he made us so he would have someone to love. All right, and some of you guys might have heard that, but that is very false. God wasn't bored and needed us to come in and us to steal his glory and he wanted to love that. 
all right? God did it so his name would be praised. Passages like this say God is for the praise of his name. So our ultimate purpose in life is the praise of God's name. Everything we do, it's not about us, it's not about our comforts, it's not about us having the best things, it's about God all the time. And I'll explain, that sounds kind of like downing sometimes to people, but I'll explain why that's good news in a minute. Look at some other verses, I'm just going to throw these, or I'll read them out to you so you don't have to flip around. They're all in Ephesians 1. Um, Ephesians 1, 3 says, blessed be God and Father. Verse 6 says, to the praise of his glorious grace. Verse 7, say the riches of his grace. Verse 11 him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And verse 14, to the praise of his glory. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit and how we're sealed with him. So what I'm, what I'm getting at by throwing those verses out to you is that every single thing we do is for God's glory. So we are saved for God's glory. We live for God's glory. And that's going to be our, my next little uh, point up here. Our adoption, salvation, and lives are for the glory of God. So every single thing that has happened throughout history is all for the glory of God. Everything. That's huge. And what's good news about that is because God is after his name, because God is after about the praise of his name, that frees us up from trying to please God. So that frees us up from trying to say that we are good enough for God, that we have to work hard enough to please God, that I have to work and feed homeless people and love people and show enough kindness for God to look at me and say, I love you. That's not how it rolls. God says, because I'm after the praise of my name, I save you, and then you live for my glory. And because I save you, you do those things. Because I put a new heart in you, the rest of your life will look majorly different. All right. That's what our lives are about. It's about the glory of God. And God's not selfish in doing this. God's not selfish and needs someone to, to glory him. All right. He doesn't need that. He's doing it for our good and our joy. Now, because God has done all this, there's impact in our life. Salvation is spiritual, but it has physical implications. So that means salvation is the spiritual thing that happens to us, but it has physical outcomes. All right, so that changes everything we do in our life. And the thing that it changes is that first song that we sang, freedom. You guys know, like freedom? You like living in America? Yeah? Freedom? Come America, that's right. Come on. Everybody all at once. One, two, three. There we go. Come on. Shout it out. We all love our country. All right. <laughs> Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. Read these last two verses that we're going to go through. In him... In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. All we're talking about tonight is right here in verse 7. It's all in verse 7. In Christ, we have redemption. In Christ, we have victory. In Christ, we have freedom. In Christ, we have salvation. In Christ, we have every single thing that we have in our lives. Everything. It's because of what Christ did for us. Because of Christ's sacrifice for us, we can overcome the power of sin and the condemnation that comes with it because we have been bought with the blood of Jesus. So when you are in Christ, this whole idea of being in Jesus, it changes everything in your lives. In trials, in difficulties, in shortcomings, in failures, your life looks differently because of what Christ did for you. Because Christ said, hey, I will go to the cross for you, I will die for you, your whole life looks different. It's handled differently. A few um, months ago, back in May, 
All right, I'm going to share a personal story that I haven't really shared from the stage before um, because we don't want people to be like, I'm so sorry for you guys, but I feel like this would be good for building you guys up. So a few months ago, I was at work one night in May, and it was a Monday night, I won't forget, and I got a call from Shelby, who's my fiance, and um, she called me, and she said, hey, babe, the, the thing they took out of my neck is cancerous, all right? So they said, that thing that I just had surgery on last week is cancerous in my neck. And from that moment on, it has shaped and impacted the rest of my life. All right, that was the biggest moment in my life. And so when I sat down and I was like, God, you loved us, you loved her, you loved me from the foundation of the world, you sent Christ to die for us, you sent Christ to die so we could know you. I was like, God, what is going on right now? My world was flipped, all right? And I preach all the time, just because you're a believer doesn't mean you have a nice car. It doesn't mean you're healthy. It doesn't mean you live perfectly. That is not what Christ is. Just because you know Jesus doesn't mean things go well. All right? You understand that? Just because we know Jesus doesn't mean we get out of high school, we go to college, and we have a $100,000 job, and we drive around a Bentley or a Jaguar. All right? That's not how it rolls. But I was sitting there, and I'm like, God, what is happening? How could this girl who I'm about to marry have cancer? What is this? I was shocked, and I was, I was really distraught. I walked around. I remember that night walking around. I, felt, I didn't even feel like I was walking. I was so numb. I was, like, walking around like a, a dead man. It was nuts, all right? And so I'm like, God, what happened here? But I'm going to explain what happened. Flip over to Romans 8, and if, if you don't have it, I'm going to read. All right, try to, try to roll with me. I know you guys don't like to read a lot. It's a lot of big passages sometimes, but there's going to be a lot of verses that I'm about to say, but just listen to the passages, and this will explain how I got through what I got through. Romans 8, 28. All right. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So stop there. All right, so I get a phone call that Shelby has cancer. She calls me and she says, all right, they're setting up surgery next week to take this stuff out. And we don't know what the road looks like from there. And I fall back on Romans 8, 28, and I say, God, I know you are working everything together for good. All right? I know that through cancer of her, something good is going to come of it. I don't understand it right now. I don't see it right now. But, God, you're good. And so I clung to that verse. I said, God, I feel like we've been called according to your plans. God, I know I love you. What's happening? God, show me, show me the grace of this. Show me the goodness of this. Keep going to verse 30, or 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What all that verse means is if God's calling you, God will make you right before him. He's not going to let you down. God will not fail. God called you, you will stand holy before him because he has called you. And that glorified just means you are going to stand before him faultless. You are going to stand before there looking beautiful and faultless and no guilt, no condemnation, all because of Christ, all because of Christ. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus, the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. So what he's saying is who is going to bring anything against you? 
Who's going to call you out? You have the maker of the world on your side, so who is going to back talk and say you are not right before God? He says, I'm the one that decides that you live for me. You are free because of me. You are free because of what I did, not because of what you do. No one else determines your life. It is me. What shall, we, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tri- listen to this part. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? All right, we'll stop there. So tribulation, persecution, distress, famine, nakedness, do those sound like things we want? Nakedness? No. Don't clap. Famine? No food? All right. Do we want distress? Do we want to be persecuted? No. But that stuff happens. And what we do when those things happen is we run to the cross and say, God, you died for me, and I will live for you. God, I know you work all things together for good for those that love you. You called me. You're going to justify me. God, you make me right before you. I will be okay. And so the point of the gospel is not that we get God's stuff. It's that we get God. You understand the difference? Instead of having things, you get God. You get a relationship with the Lord. It's not that we get his things, but it's that we get him. That's the difference maker. And that's what sets us apart from every other people group and every other religion on the face of this planet is they say you have to please God. God says I've already done it. God says, it's not your performance, it's my performance for you, all right? So it's not how good you can be, but it's about how good I was for you. It's not about you working yourself to me. It's about that I came down and rescued you because you couldn't do it on your own. God's the one that saves. And we're just recipients of an overflowing of the grace and the love and the kindness of Christ. Who can bring anything against God's people? No one. Who can stand against us? No one. And why is that? Because Christ is the one that died, but better yet, Christ is the one that was raised and is interceding. He is interceding, talking to God for us now. In Christ, there is this freedom. And so the overflow of where we get our identity from comes from, first off, God's love. God says, I'm going to love you despite of you. And for a lot of us, you know that's a good thing. And I struggled with that for a long time. I thought I was a good person. And then I understood my heart. And I'm like, God, I'm really not as good as I think I am. But God, you still love me anyways. And you are amazing. And you are mighty to save because you love me. So it starts with God's love. And it's all for God's glory. And because God is for his glory, we are free. We are set free from sin. There is now no condemnation. There is no guilt for those that are in Christ. All right? There's no guilt, there's no shame for those that are in Jesus. And that's how we get our identity. That's how we have this saint identity. We get the title saint because God did the work and paid the bill that we couldn't pay. That's how we live. That's how we have hope. Because Christ said, I will die for you. In your weakness, I am strong. And that's how we get this identity in Jesus. So storms and trials come. Things happen. Life happens. My fiance got cancer, but guess what? Man, we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to heal her. We know he's able, and we're going to pray that he will. 
And if he doesn't, that's okay because we'll just keep going and we'll say, God, we live for your glory. And what's happened through this is we have been drawn so close to God. I have never loved the Lord like I do right now. She has never loved the Lord like she does right now. And, and I would take anything. She, I know she would too. She would take anything for that. She would do absolutely whatever it takes to know more of the Lord. And so we can say, God, when storms come, when trials happen, when bad things come, I know it is all for the good because I love you. God, you saved me and I live for you. All right? So that changes the scope of our lives. The rest of our lives are just an outpouring of that. When you go into your schools, it's not just a Wednesday thing anymore. When you understand the grace of God, it turns into a 365, I think. Yeah, life. All right? Life. Every single day of your life, it turns out to the scope of what God has done for you through Christ. So it's not Wednesday anymore, and it's not Sunday, but it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as well. All right? So it's just an overflow of how good God is. That's why, we, that's why we invite people to church. That's why we just say, God, you're good, and I'm not. That's why we say, God, you are the giver. And I don't deserve it, but I stand before you as a saint. And it's all because God's love and God's glory and God's freedom. All right, so would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for how you save and how you rescue and how you love and how you give and how you, how you love me despite of me. Even when I mess up, God, you love me. Even when I fall short, God, you still give to me. Even when I'm a fool and I run from you, God, you always, always welcome me home and draw me back. And God, you are so amazing. And we just thank you for who you are and how you love. God, I pray that any student here tonight just feeling that pull of the Holy Spirit to say, son, I am here, just love me. I pray that they would just have their hearts awakened to what you want to do. God, I pray that their heart would be softened to the things of God. That they would understand that it's not about them, but it's about you, God. We thank you so much, Lord. We just pray that every single heart would be open to you. We love you, and we pray in Christ's name. Amen.